And we start a new book tonight. If you'll take your Bibles and let's turn to the book of Ruth. Just kind of makes sense to go right on into Ruth because of the fact that uh, the setting is still when the judges ruled. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. Some have referred to this book as the Cinderella story of the Bible. <clears throat> it's a story of how a pagan girl from Moab named Ruth came to be a part of the covenant people of Israel. What a blessing, amen. The, in fact, when we get to the genealogical info at the end of chapter 4, it shows her to be King David's great-grandmother. Okay, And so uh, that's, a, that's a blessing right there. And the hundred verses that make up this book, we see this young woman as she is pursued by God's grace and brought out of her wretched condition by His grace. And this is a story of redemption, of love, of grace, and of hope. So over the next several weeks, as the Lord leads, we're going to be studying this book, and tonight we'll begin by looking at just the first two verses. Let's begin by reading Ruth chapter number 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kailon, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there came into the country and continued there. Um, in these first verses, we're introduced here to the family of a man named Elimelech who lived during the time of the judges. This is thought to be probably midway, somewhere in the midway, the early part of the book of Judges when this took place. The story begins as a sad tale of a man who he's choosing to walk contrary to what the, how the Lord would have him to walk. Okay? He's walking contrary to the Lord's will for his life. And as a result of his decision, he and his family paid a terrible high price. But the, uh, the Lord used what happened to both rescue Ruth and elevate her position by his grace. You know, God can use even the times when we get away from him for his honor and for his glory. That's what we see here. Um, uh, it went, didn't go well for Elimelech and his family, but it went well for Ruth. Amen. And uh, we see that we're told that Elimelech took his family to a place called Moab. Now, understand that Moab, if you, if you look at it in your uh, Bible maps, it's located east of the Promised Land. In fact, it's just east of the Dead Sea. It's not really convenient to access by crossing the Jordan River because you had to cross the Jordan River and go south because it's across from the Dead Sea. Um, so he kind of went here on purpose. We're not told why, but uh, we went to Moab. And uh, remember that uh, um, just east of, of the Jordan River, uh, there were three tribes that settled in 
that area. Uh, the half tribe of Manasseh was the furthest north, along with the tribes of Gad, which was next, and then you had Reuben, which was located on the east side of the Jordan River, and then below you had the, the Moabites, uh, Moab. And Moab was inhabited by people, of course, who worshipped a pagan god, more than one god, pagan gods. The Moabites were descendants of a man named Moab who was the son of an incestuous relationship between Lot and one of his daughters. That story is found in Genesis chapter 19, verses 30 through 38. I'm not going to take time to, to go read that story. But if you remember, as Lot was uh, led out of the, uh, the city that was destroyed by Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, the, the city destroyed by God, Sodom and Gomorrah, he was led out of there. And um, his two daughters were afraid that um, there wasn't going to be any men left. And they were trying to preserve seed. And uh, they got wicked with their, their, their dad. And you had the Ammonites and the Moabites that came out of those relationships. Um, and we, the Moabites were a very proud people, noted for their lawlessness, for their immorality, and for their brutal violence. And listen to what Isaiah the prophet penned about Moab in Isaiah 16 in verse number 6. He says, we have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud, even of his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath. You know, God doesn't have any good thing to say about pride, does he? He really doesn't. And they were a prideful people. Moses recorded in Numbers chapter number 23 through 25, and I'm going to take the time to turn to that story either, uh, Numbers 23 to 25, but I will have you turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 23 because he recorded a shorter uh, segment here regarding uh, Moab, how Moab attacked and opposed Israel. Look at um, Deuteronomy 23 in verse number 3. It says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the con congregation of the Lord forever. Because they met you not with bread and with water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt. And because they hired against thee Balaam the son of Beor uh, of Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse thee. Remember that? That's what's recorded there in uh, the other dimension, Numbers 23 to 25. Um, Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken unto Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee uh, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Uh, it says that thou shalt not seek their peace nor their prosperity all thy days forever. So, um, these were some bad folks and um, they had opposed Israel, sought to destroy the people of God during Israel's wilderness wanderings. And this was a people who were, they were opposed to God, number one. We're talking about the Lord God. Uh, they were opposed to His ways and they were opposed to His people. Now, in Psalm 90, I mean, excuse me, Psalm 60 and verse number 8, God 
calls Moab his wash pot. He said, Moab is my wash pot. And that phrase meant that they were a despised thing. God, God compared them to a vessel containing water that was used by slaves to wash feet. Okay? Um, the clear indication is that they were unclean. Yet, they were a people who could have been saved if they had just repented of their sins, as we will see that Ruth did. Ruth turned from her sins and turned to the Lord God. And God saved Ruth. Now, it is to this unclean, despised, and wicked nation that Elimelech moved his family. Here we see a picture of one who willingly steps out of the Lord's will and consequently pays an awful price. This section of Scripture teaches us that choosing to live outside of the Lord's will carries with it some very devastating consequences. But it also teaches that repentance and restoration are always a possibility. And with this information in mind, let's begin to, to look at this uh, book of Ruth as we begin to see Elimelech, Elimelech and his family stepping out of God's will. That's what the first part of this is called, stepping out of God's will. And tonight we see a time of desperate circumstances that caused them to do this. Okay? We say a time of desperate circumstances. Verse number one, came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. That's desperate circumstances. Verse 1 describes that the situation that Elimelech and his family faced by telling us that there was a famine in the land. And this is primarily speaking of a food shortage, but in reality there was a twofold famine in the land. Um, understand that while there was definitely a shortage of food in the land, there, there wasn't the, that wasn't the only famine that the people of Israel faced. In fact, there was another famine that was worse that actually caused them to have the food famine. And that is they had a moral famine. Moral, their morality. Um, verse 1 tells us uh, that what happened here took place during the time of the Judges. And we saw when we were in the book of Judges, uh, the, uh, the attitude of God's people during the time of the Judges summed up very well in that last verse uh, of uh, the book of Judges and that uh, tells us there in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And we know that that verse is repeated more than once in the book of Judges. Now, uh, the time of the Judges can best be described as a time of ungodliness, a time of turbulence, a time of social upheaval. I mean, they were days of lawlessness, idolatry, false religion, theft, drunkenness, sexual perversion, violence, national division, and extreme unbelief. In other words, okay, they were days that were not much different than what we find ourselves living in right now. Of course, Anytime mankind does that which is right in his own eyes, what else should we expect? The live and let live philosophy that's been around for a while now and is still around, people, oh, you live your life your way and let me live my life my way. You know, don't be telling me how to live. Okay. That's an ungodly philosophy. 
It, it causes a moral famine. And so there was a moral famine in the land. And then there was a material famine in the land. Specifically, there were food shortages. Now this kind of famine is not something that many of us have experienced yet. Okay. I believe we're going to see some coming. Uh, we live in a land of plenty. And we saw some hints of it during the recent pandemic. But a famine is an extended period of time when food is in serious shortage. And often in the Old Testament times, God used famine as a tool of discipline against his people. To bring his people back to him when they had brought about a moral famine in the land. When they got, we got away from God, God would say, okay, I'm, I'm going to withhold my blessing. And he would do that, and a famine would take place. And the purpose was to draw them back to God. But what did Elimelech and his family do? They left the land that God said don't leave. Okay? They were in the land that God said had promised to bless. He promised to bless them if they would follow him, be obedient to him. But they weren't going to have any of that. When God's people would stray away from him, he would reach out to call them back to himself by causing there to be a famine. Let's look at a few passages here regarding this. Deuteronomy chapter number 11 uh, to begin with, Deuteronomy 11. And uh, just two verses here, verse 16 and 17. As they were given the warning about this, uh, Deuteronomy 11, verse 16 and 17. Deuteronomy 11, verse 16 says, Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived. And ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you. And he shut up the heaven that there be no rain and, the, and that the land yield not her fruit unless ye perish quickly from off the land, good land which the Lord giveth you. Was there any problem with the land that the Lord gave them? Nope. This is good land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Well, what was the problem with the famine then? No, the problem is they weren't following what the Lord told them to, that they should do. And... Um, you know, there's uh, we, we're, we're familiar with Second Chronicles seven. I'm not gonna have you turn there, but Second Chronicles seven, verse thirteen and fourteen, um, the Lord said to uh, Solomon, and He said, "If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray." seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So God's purpose in the famine, bring his people back to himself. But um, of course, uh, Elimelech and his family uh, left, left the land and went to Moab, um, a, pagan, a pagan land. Now, a third thing I want us to see, not only there was moral famine in the land, there was material famine in the land, but understand that even today, God still sometimes orchestrates some famine experiences for his people. Even today, God still brings about some, some things where uh, it may take the form of a financial famine when there's more month than money. 
Uh, it may sometimes take the form of a physical famine where health and well-being suffer. Uh, it may take uh, the form of a spiritual famine when the heavens become like brass and the Lord seems far away, seems like we can't get our, our, our prayers uh, answered the, the, the way that we think that you'd be. It may take some other form, but whatever form it takes, it's a famine in our life when something is missing or in short supply. And God allows or brings these famines into our life not to drive us away from Him, but rather to draw us nearer to Him. He may use these times to correct us, but it's not always to correct. Okay, um, Revelation 3.19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be there, zealous therefore and repent. Now, that's, that's correction. But He may also use these times to perfect us. I mean, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse number 9, he was going through a difficult time. Um, he, you know, he had uh, this thorn in the flesh that was bothering him, and he prayed, sought the Lord's behalf to, to take that thorn in the flesh away from him. And uh, the Lord told him, he said, my, uh, he said unto me, I, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And of course, that was... Uh, to, to mature uh, the Apostle Paul. Now, the, what, where, what it comes down to is how we react to our famine experiences. Okay? A lot of times things start going the wrong way in somebody's life, you know, start having financial problems or whatever. The first thing you want to do is ditch God. Yeah? Well, Lord, Lord's, not, uh, Lord's not blessing me, so I'm just going to get out of here. How do we re react to the famine experience determines whether it becomes a time of blessing or a time of devastation in our life. So uh, we see a time of desperate circumstances and, and uh, next time we're going to come back and we're going to see a time of dangerous choices. Okay, those de desperate circumstances took place and it brought about some dangerous choices, three wrong choices that we're going to see that uh, Elimelech and his family made. And that's our Bible study for this evening. I didn't want to cover all of that because uh, it would have kept us too. We'd have been beyond our, our time tonight. Okay, So uh, we'll pull back out our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs and we'll be dismissed with this prayer.